Reporter podcast listeners, thank you for coming back to us for yet another week. Um, it's been an interesting week in the uh, the Cincinnati Reds world, uh, not by their own doing so much as just by watching the rest of the baseball world kind of uh, uh, give the Reds a little bit of a shakedown. Um, since we last joined you, which I think was, oh, what was that, uh, a week ago, maybe seven, eight days ago, um, perhaps the single biggest and most talked about target for the Reds in their newfound um, uh, free agent spending winner uh, that is supposed to happen this winter um, signed and he didn't sign with the Reds. Uh, yes, Manny Grandal agreed to a four-year $73 million contract with the Chicago White Sox, uh, who kind of came out of nowhere um, to make that signing, making him their single biggest free agent signing in history. Um, that contract would have made him the single biggest Reds free agent signing in, in team history as well. Um, but it's the kind of deal that uh, uh, pretty much seems in line with what everybody kind of thought he should have gotten. Uh, and the Reds weren't the team to, to sign him. So um, that's going to kind of uh, um, kick off this episode for us as we look into where the Reds turn their attention to from here. Because uh, Grandal, by all accounts, was not just a guy that uh, we uh, we blog holios thought was a pretty good fit for the Reds. He was legitimately a guy that the Reds were interested in uh, for reasons that were fairly obvious and to not land him means they've got to find ways to spend that money elsewhere. So uh, breaking down that and the rest of the news, uh, Reds related news of the last week, we've got um, uh, in Cincinnati, we've got Brandon K. Kraling, former fearless leader of Red Reporter. PK, what's going on, buddy? Not a whole lot, Wick. Just a uh... Enjoying the beautiful weather in Cincinnati. Uh, it was a really nice day here today, so uh, enjoying that. I feel like the Reds front office are probably out enjoying that too and not signing free agents. But <laughs> Well, I can assure you I'm supposed to fly uh, from Denver back to uh, – the great state of Kentucky for a five-day uh, Thanksgiving trip on Wednesday. Wow. I'm watching inch one of what's supposed to be between 12 to 18 inches fall on us, and they've already canceled, like, <laughs> I think 450 flights out of DIA uh, on Tuesday. Uh, hopefully not into Wednesday, but one of these days I'm going to try to get my butt back to Kentucky for Thanksgiving. Um, the only problem is I'm bringing that weather with me, and it's supposed to be rainy and nasty the entire damn time I'm home. So, yeah, Ooh. fun stuff. Get to, wait, get, get to wait delayed at an airport just to bring some crap weather back east with me so uh blame blame that one on me man um yeah i know right um also joining us in indianapolis uh derek grimes grimy what's going on buddy hey nothing man i'm uh watching some uh lamar jackson on uh monday night football you know the former former louisville cardinal star shout out to uh, jch yeah Oh, old germs, man. Germ, germs yeah. was a he was big on Lamar Jackson from from moment one. I will give him credit for that. I'm a uh, I'm actually going to be back in Lexington for um, the Louisville at UK game on Saturday. It's a noon game in Eastern time, and I'm coming from Mountain time, so that's a 10 a.m. start for me. Um, so I'm I'm really interested to see what. And as I mentioned, it's going to be nice and crappy weather outside. So interested to see what, the, what uh, football game or. 
Yeah, the foot the football game, the basketball game is later in December. But yeah, the, uh, the Louisville UK football game. I don't know what the hell I'm doing for it yet, uh, but it looks like it's going to be completely nasty outside and 10 a.m. in the morning my time. So uh, it should be a very interesting day, one way or another. Hey, but hey, Wick, you can't you can't uh, drink all day if you don't start in the morning. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I can't drink all Thanksgiving trip if I don't start at the airport on Wednesday, right? So um, <laughs> there you go. Um. So yeah, uh, the Reds. Um, you know, the Reds are not alone and not really getting started on this uh, this big free agent winner. Which, by all accounts, I mean, you know, you look up and down the board, and there are massive free agents uh, in all facets. Uh, aside from center field, which the Reds could use, and aside from second base, where the Reds could really use, um, you've got gigantic names in, 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 in pitching, uh, uh, guys like Anthony Rendon, uh, a corner infielder who's going to make, as he should, uh, at least $250 million this winter. Um, so far, we've seen the Chicago White Sox and the Atlanta Braves pretty much be the only two teams that have jumped into anything. Um, Grandall highlighted that so far with uh, the $73 million guarantee. The White Sox came back and signed Jose Abreu for, uh, what, I think three years and $50, $60 million, something like that. Um, the Braves have been very active. They picked up a couple of relievers uh, and signed Travis Darno as well, who perhaps could have been the second best catcher on the free agent market this winter. Um I guess what are your thoughts on Grandall not signing with the Reds, obviously, and where they turn their attentions to first? Um, and I guess let's let's dig into that first. We'll get into the, the the state of the free agent market later, but let's let's lead off with Yasmani, um, a guy that I think we all generally uh, agreed was. Uh, a massive upgrade behind the plate from what the Reds currently have, uh, bringing offense, bringing on base percentage, bringing pitch framing, um, all of that. Being a switch hitter who can play first base and spell Joey Votto for all the reasons we've gone over for for months and months. He seemed like a great fit, um, and now he's off the board, and there's not really any alternative there. Uh, what are your thoughts on what that means for the Reds in terms of free agency, uh, whether or not they want to address catcher at all, or just? General thoughts on on how that impacts where the Reds can go uh, from here. Um, BK, you want to go first? Sure. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think it's it's definitely something to where the Reds kind of showed their hand a little bit, and you know they they were linked to JT Real Muto last year and missed out on him. Um, you know, linked to Grandal last year and this year, missed out on him both times, and so I, I think that you know if I think the Reds know that they have to upgrade a catcher. Now the fans know that they have to upgrade a catcher. And I think it's probably, you know, they're going to have to do something. Um, and, you know, it's it's going to be tough with their with their top target off the board because when you, when you look at what else is out there, there really isn't another guy like Grandall who is really just kind of coming into, you know, one of the top, you know, handful of, you know, hitters at that position in the league. Um, you know, good defensive player, good pitch framer, good, you know, anything you look for in a catcher, you know, Grandall is that guy and will probably be that guy for the next, you know, three or four or five years. Um, and, you know, the Reds are, it, it, they could use a guy like that. Now, um, I, I think that, you know, when you look at the free agent market, there's a lot of older guys um, out there. The, you know, your Robinson Carinos is, you know, in his mid mid thirties and Wellington Castillo and guys like that. Um, and then, 
but I, I think that, you know, looking at what the Reds will probably look at next is trade targets. Um, and I'll be interested to see kind of where, where they go. Um, the, I, it's probably a good thing that they haven't, um, you know, made a move for a lesser guy yet. Um, you know, they, they could have you know signed one of those other free agents, but I don't know. I, I'm cautiously optimistic, but I think that they have to do something, right? Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, um, yeah, just you look at uh, not just this past 2019 season, but you look at the last two, three, four years, um, and there is a pretty clear gulf between the top two, three, four uh, catchers in baseball uh, and everybody else. And if you don't get one of those um, – there's a, such a significant drop off that it's not like you go out and get the next best guy available and assume he can he can flirt with production that's equal to the guys that you didn't land. Um, there's just a gulf there. There's not. There's only so many of those guys out there. Um, and Grindall specifically, the, the fact that he's um, as well regarded as he is with working with pitching staffs, uh, he's a guy that the Reds know. He's a former. Since I did Reds draft pick, first round draft pick, a guy that they were very, very high on. Um, it's almost shocking to me that they didn't walk away with signing him, knowing that they were interested for multiple years. Four years, $73 million is not cheap, but for his kind of level of production, it's not expensive yeah. either. It's really not expensive. Um, you factor in his switch eating capabilities, uh, the way that he would allow – you know, David Bell obviously loves managing uh, versatile rosters and the way you can mix and match with him being a switch hitter, being able to play first base, what that would allow Kirk Casale to do as a pinch hitter, um, what that would allow Cal Farmer to do all over the diamond if you kept him as well. Um, those kind of things just seem to be uh, exactly what the Reds have talked about wanting to, to add. Uh, and the fact that they didn't get him, you know, maybe it just came down to the fact that uh, – uh, you know, seven years down the road, he's still bitter about the Reds trading him. And if that's the case, so yeah. be it. Um, but the fact of the matter is, for four years and $73 million, uh, you would have thought the Reds would have been right there. Um, what really yeah, jumps out I, to me is like also is that the White Sox started the rebuild that they've been in uh, after the Reds did. You know, they, re they, they really did. Um, they traded Chris Sale. Uh, they got – uh, Moncada and Moncada in that deal. They got Michael Kopich as well, who's uh, supposed to be healthy this year. Um, they're putting their money where their mouth is. They really are. And they've signed two huge names to come back. Obviously, Grandall from outside the organization to Brady to stay with the organization. Um, but they're putting their money where their mouths are as well to emerge from their own rebuild. Uh, and the Reds kind of look like the bridesmaid a little bit in that. And that's uh, that's that's an interesting interesting dichotomy there. Um Grimey, what are your thoughts on on Yaz going to to Chicago and not the Reds, and where the hell the Reds go from here? Yeah, so I don't know. I, I think I might be a little bit less. I won't say I'm I'm less disappointed um, that they didn't get Grandall because I think the logic is sound, um, especially for a team like the Reds, who I won't say can't, but are unwilling to spend you know huge amounts of money on top free agencies <laughs> i want to say year in and year out but really ever um, <laughs> yeah. so it makes a lot of sense for them if it, to target catcher as the place where okay we're going to go out and we're going to target the best that are available and we saw that last year with jt real muro and um you know of course you know that price ended up being too high in prospect capital but then when you look at 
Yasmani, like it makes sense for a team like the Reds to say, okay, we're going to go out and if we spend the most on catcher, we spend the most on catcher, but that's not going to be $250 million. It's going to be, you know, you know, I think they were probably looking at 65 and it ended up being a little more than that. Um, so that all makes sense from that standpoint. But, you know, like I, I posted the article today about, you know, the Reds catching situation in 2019. And I was a little bit shocked to find how competent they are. They were relative, right. to the rest yeah. of the, relative to the rest of the league, especially considering Tucker Barnhart missed so much time, which that might have actually been a good thing as I got into in that piece. But, um, I mean, they're they're basically middle of the road when it comes to that position in 2019 with Tucker Barnhart missing so much time. So it's not the most glaring weakness on the team. Um, now, it goes back to what you were saying Wick about there is a pretty sharp divide from like the top four or five team four or five teams with catcher and then the rest of the league. So saying that they're middle of the pack might be a little bit different than it's that doesn't necessarily mean they're average. Right. Um, I, I mean middle of the pack is closer to being dead last than it is to being fourth. Right. Right. So but that that being said, like it's not like I've been going through these these positional recaps and it's definitely not the most glaring weakness on the team. And that would be shortstop, but there's not a shortstop out there available that is as good as Yasmani Grandal for one. And positionally, there's not a shortstop out there that you would probably consider in the top two, three of this position, like Yasmani Grandal. So that hurts. I mean, we'll circle back on this later, I'm sure, you know, but uh, Didi Gregorius obviously is a name that I think they're probably going to target pretty hard now, especially now. Um, just because they're so bad at shortstop, um, which I'll, I'll have that up later uh, later this week. Later right this week, week yeah. But, Tune into RedReporter.com for the uh, the shortstop breakdown from from last I mean, I know a lot of I know a lot of Reds fans loved Jose Iglesias, but when you see these numbers relative to the league, the, the position was. And, and I think but, and I think that's a larger point here. Also, is that the Reds don't need an upgrade at catcher per se. But they have to have upgrades at at least two or three positions because you can hide bad offense, great defense, good intangibles, whatever, at one spot. Pretty much you can hide it at one spot. And the Reds have been trying for years to hide it at both catcher and shortstop and largely in center field as well. And that just doesn't work. And you can hide it in one place. And the the one spot that you thought they were going to address that – was it catcher? And if they did, so be it. You, If you bring in a guy who's offensively as gifted as Yasmani Grandal is, obviously his pitch framing and other defensive stuff is a, a great boon as well. But if he's you bring him in at catcher and you commit that amount of money to it, Jose Iglesias is fine as your shortstop. That's fine. You can hide a number eight hitter in a nationally lineup if they provide stuff beyond just being an offensive talent. For the Reds, that means they've now lost out the ability to really make that upgrade at, at catcher because it's outside of Real Mucho and Grandal, I don't see a guy who's of their caliber there, which means, okay, you stick with Tucker Barnhart. He abandons hitting right-handed. You go with a platoon with Casale and Tucker. Uh, that's probably fine offensively. It's pretty fine defensively. Um, having Cal Farmer on the rosters, his versatility allows you to use those guys as pinch hitters. Uh that's that's probably fine. That's probably fine. Uh, it's not fine, though, if you continue to run out subpar offense at shortstop or in center field and with Nick Senzel being injured and maybe moving back to second or whatever, you don't know what's happening there. 
you don't know what's happening at second because you don't know what's happening with Senzel or with the Reds and free agency or anything else. They've got to address three of those four spots as far as I'm concerned. Um, you don't know what's going on with right field because yeah. you don't know if, if uh, Aristides Aquino is – August or September or somewhere in between. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you know, you, somewhere in between, but you don't know it's not August and hopefully it's not September, but he might be September, you know? Right. And you don't know if you can count on Jesse Winker being healthy for a full season because he's never done that either. So left field is even up in question also. So um, the fact of the matter is the Reds need concrete upgrades offensively in several spots that they could slot these guys. Catcher, because of Grandall being available, seemed like that's an obvious one. They missed on him. There's not a second catcher they can just turn to and say, okay, that's an extra three wins that we're just adding by signing this guy. So the Reds have a lot of work to do to find that elsewhere. And sure, they can explore the trade market for catchers. I'm almost of the opinion that I think they kind of probably stand pat at catcher, but they've got to turn that money, that focus, and that future commitment of not just 2020, but down the road – They've got to find that offensive answer, and it's got to be in another position at this point. Um, if somebody two, two positions, probably. If, yeah. prop, if prop, you're not going to get the best, if you're not going to get the best offensive player at the one position, and there's nobody like that available. I mean, if the best shortstop in the league was available to free agency, he would make three hundred million dollars this year. You know, like right. So uh, they're, you know, like that's. I guess that's the gap. I guess we're talking about when we when we get disappointed about Grandall, and I think we like. Oh, well, I know Wick likes Grandall a lot more than <laughs> your average baseball person, I think. But, well, it's also but he's, but he's great. But he's great. I mean, he is legitimately great, especially for the position. And, and you're not going to find that on, on the market right now for any other position. And it's also worth pointing out, he's signed with an American League team. Um, he can DH mm-hmm. for the Chicago White Sox. He finally got 600 plate appearances this year, in part because after the Jesus Aguilar trade in Milwaukee, he got a chance to get a lot of time um, almost in a first base platoon with Eric Thames. Eric Thames, sorry. Um, at first base when he wasn't catching. So he got 600 plate appearances. Chicago White Sox are going to allow him to get that again. The Reds couldn't guarantee that. Even if you you want to start platooning Joey Votto against tough left-handed starting pitchers and give Grandall most of the starts at catcher when he's not helping in that regard, you're talking about maybe pushing 510, 520 plate appearances, barring injury. Um, the fact that the White Sox can guarantee him that many more at-bats, which I think I would be shocked if he stays healthy and doesn't get 600 um, for at least the first two three years of this deal, um, that's something the Reds simply couldn't offer. And so, in that regard, I don't, I don't fault him for choosing Chicago over Cincinnati if that was the case, because that obviously seems the better path to playing time, which is the better path to production and the better chat, chance to, to to stamp your name on why they're winning if they go out and win. So, um, yeah, but I mean, how long is it until the the National League? Adopts the DH because the teams can't keep missing out on free agents like this, right? You, you would think so. Yeah, you would. If, mean, if it's such a big factor that you know these top free agents are choosing the American League over the National League because of the DH, because of that flexibility. You know? But the side, the, the 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 side note of that, the caveat, the subplot, whatever you want to call it is that in the, immediately in the wake of them missing out on Yasmani Grandal, um, the first so, sort of semi-rumor to be connected with the Reds um, was not Gene Gregorius, who obviously they've been connected to, but it wasn't like things immediately heated up there. Um, the first big new rumor was Zach Wheeler, who yeah. 
uh, is not a position player. He's not a catcher. He's not a shortstop or center fielder. He's another pitcher. And obviously the Reds have targeted pitching significantly in the last calendar year um, and revamped what needed to be a very revamped starting pitching staff. Um, the idea that they're kind of taking or might take that earmarked 18-ish million dollars a year that they were looking for for a major offensive upgrade, they might be steering that towards a pitcher that looks like he's going to command that average annual value for four, maybe five years uh, because of his prospect pedigree, his success the last couple of years, um, and his big market name having pitched for the Mets. Um, that was an interesting pivot, I think. And it's one of those things where you talk about, okay, if you can't get the big bats to sign into their 30s in the National League because there's no DH spot, if you sign pitchers, they get to face pitchers. <laughs> you know, uh, which means their stats look better. And maybe if you double down on pitching, they only have to get eight out of nine guys out in theory versus nine out of nine that you do if you're facing American League pitching. Maybe they're saying, hey, uh, we have an advantage in signing the best pitchers in the National League because they know they get a little bit of a lighter load every time you roll them out. Um what are your thoughts on the idea that the Reds say, okay, well, we still need to find some offensive upgrades here and there. We'll get to that. But we're taking that 18 to $20 million per season that we had allocated to Chase Yasmani. And we think Zach Wheeler is the best value at that rate uh, on the market at this point. What are your thoughts on that? And if they sign Zach Wheeler, what that rotation would look like? Uh, Grammy, you want to go first on that one? Yeah, um, I think – I think it's predicated, or if they were to go in that direction, I wonder if it wouldn't be because they would then turn around and take one of the guys that are in the rotation and really start shopping them more heavily than maybe they are right now. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. I guess what I mean is, is if they were to go in that direction and sign Zach Wheeler, I don't know if it's because we're going to see a five down rotation that involves all of the guys that we've think would be there right now like I think they would turn around and then be like okay well we didn't sign Yasmani Grandal but and I'm just throwing the big names out there but you know Mookie Betts is available Francisco Lindor is available and all of a sudden that becomes a lot more tenable if well maybe not Trevor Bauer in one of those name situations but um if somebody like Luis Castillo is available. Yeah, I mean, uh, Bauer... And, and then your rotation... I mean, your rotation's worse, but it's still really solid with Zach Wheeler in the fold. Like, you trade Luis Castillo. Zach Wheeler's probably not as good as Luis Castillo over the, you know, long term. Um, but... But he might be. You know, he's... he might be. You can make the argument that he could be. And, you know, obviously Trevor Bauer's set to make, what, 18-ish million dollars this year before he reaches free agency. Anthony Scafani is set to make a little over five before he reaches free agency at the end of the year as well. Um, you sign a guy like Zach Wheeler, uh, it's a lot of financial outlay for your starting rotation. But if $23, 24000000 million is coming off the books and you're losing two of your your five, so to speak, after this year, Wheeler's uh, he's, a, he's a short-term play because he makes your rotation that much better than, uh, uh, than 2020. But he's also around for four years at eighty million or seventy-five million or whatever it was he would eventually sign for. Um, yeah, you know it, it's intriguing as all hell. Uh, if you're, you know, you're willing to expand payroll to one hundred and forty, hundred and fifty million dollars, um, and offense is your primary goal. That doesn't mean you still can't make upgrades uh, on the starting pitching staff. And for as much upside as Tyler Malley still, I think, has. 
Um, for the 2020 season uh, specifically, I think there's no question in my mind that Zach Wheeler is a you know injuries aside, obviously, and with pitching, that's something you can never discount. Injuries injuries aside, Zach Wheeler's an infinitely better bet for the 2020 season than Tyler Malley is. And if you think that's a big enough golf and you can sign him, you do it. And then you also get the residual of down the road, knowing that, okay, he's expensive, but you're also losing Trevor Bauer. You're losing Anthony DiScafani uh, after this year if you don't trade one of those two guys. Um, but maybe you backfill with a guy like him that is going to be around for a while and use one of those other guys as a make way to help bring in some more offensive talent. Um, BK, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, when you look at the value portion of it, you know, it makes sense. You know, especially when you look at – I think something that doesn't really get talked about is, you know, especially when in regards to the free agent market, it's like, well, you know, the free agents are – you know, you're offering these contracts, but um, also what's in it for the free agent other than that? And I, I think that there are some kind of – if there's anything that the Cincinnati Reds organization has to sell the free agents, it's – Come work with Derek Johnson. Come work with Kyle Bodie. Come work with right. You know, all of these you know advanced. Come work with Caleb Cotham. All these advanced analytics guys, and you know, hey, turn your career around, right? And you know, you see what uh, you know, the, the leaps that Luis Castillo made last year. You see the 180 that Sonny Gray did last year, and you know. I, that has to be a big selling point for these free agent pitchers. And I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they were able to, you know, lure Zach Wheeler in just, in just the pretense of, Hey, if you come here for, you know, a couple of years, you're going to be so much better that you'll get you know, even more on your next free agent deal. So. And I mean, you, you got to also factor in it. it, it pl- all players want to sign on with teams that are not only trying to get better, but yeah. also look the part of potentially getting better. And if you start talking about the Reds have Trevor Bauer and Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray, Discofani, uh, they're chasing Zach Wheeler. You sign Zach Wheeler, and then you start you, you start pitching that rotation with that kind of uh, pitching coach backing um, to all free agents out there. And suddenly the guys who are position players who might have overlooked Cincinnati say, okay, we've got that good of a pitching and I get to hit in that ballpark if I'm playing behind them. Right. Like that's that's a sales yeah. pitch. That's a legitimate it, sales yeah, it pitch. It makes it easier to fill out the rest of your roster too. For yeah. Sure. I mean like if, if Marcel Hazuna is like, okay, I could put left field uh, for the Reds for four years and $60 million because they signed Zach Wheeler – I, they're, they're not going to be any balls hit to me. Like, I don't have to do anything out there, and I get to hit for 81 games a year in this ballpark. Um, I'm in, you know? Like, that's... that's I don't have that, to face... I don't have to face plant trying to uh, climb the wall or... or and, and I don't have to face uh, any of those five guys, yeah, you know? Uh, like, they're... they're, they're, they're they're my teammates. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think it's an intriguing... Uh, design if that's what they choose to kind of pivot towards. Um, And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be against it. Obviously it would be a a creating a massive glut, especially when you talk about Kevin Gosman still being technically on the roster because they haven't come around to non-tendering him or renegotiating or whatever they would choose to do with him. And it ties up a lot of your initial financial resources and pitching. But signing Zach Wheeler makes the 2020 Reds better. It makes them very much better. 
Um, and, ho- and hopefully, I'm not infinitely better, but very good. Yeah. 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 It's significantly better. And it keeps Tyler Malley, who's got an option left, uh, as depth, which you always, always need. Fortunately, we didn't need a lot in 2019, but every team needs that. Um, that it builds towards the future. So if that's the way they pivot for their biggest signing, um, I'm, I'm kind of okay with it. It doesn't mean yeah. they're, they're my, done, but they would have to. My only issue with that though would be, you know, it, it would be, an off season where you, the Reds really had clear priorities coming into this off season, get hitting, get hitting, get hitting, and if that isn't the big thing that they do, it doesn't solve it. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't solve the problems that have plagued this. Like the pitching wasn't why this team lost. You know, however many games I lost this last year, it was the hitting, right? More than more than anything, and it it doesn't really attack the problem, and it. It's, it you know it'll it's this the sort of thing where okay you can have the best pitching staff in baseball, but if you can't score any runs behind him, you're not going to win ball games. No, that's one hundred percent one hundred percent legit. The, the the thing is for the way that it, it comes off to me is that's one of those moves that the Reds go out and they sign Zach Wheeler for just spitballing four years and seventy six million dollars. Um, that's a guy who uh, I'm, I'm trying to pull up my article here real quick as I as I run through my massive uh, uh, proficiency in technology. Um, <laughs> you're talking about a guy who is roughly the tenth best pitcher in all of baseball uh, in terms of Fangraphs wins above replacement over the last two years, and it would still probably piss off a lot of Reds fans if that was your biggest signing because it didn't address the issue that they thought was the biggest issue that needed to be addressed. Um, and so, the, in terms of all of the things that the front office has said about making 2020 a a must playoff, must advance kind of year, um, signing Zach Wheeler, as far as I'm concerned, to add to that rotation would be that kind of move. It just wouldn't be the kind of sexy move that would make a lot of fans be like, "Woohoo! We're buying season tickets. We're showing up." Even though I think it would make the Reds as good or better for 2020 through 2022 is if you sign Marcelo Zuna for three years and $50 million. Right. Um, I mean, it's, it's the same move as trading for T- Trevor Bauer at the deadline, right? Right. It's, yeah. You know, it's adding, it's adding pitching depth, which, you know, the Reds pitching, the Reds pitching before the deadline was, was great last year. Um, you know, they didn't need Trevor Bauer last year, obviously they were a playoff team, but um, you know, just adding to that depth is, you know, and as you said, it definitely, it allows them more flexibility for a guy like Tyler Malley, who's not, you know, thrown into the fire, which is a, is a good thing and a bad thing. Um, probably, it's a good thing for the Reds, but it's probably not a good thing for his career. Yeah. But, but um, he's still just, what, 25? I mean, he's got he's – yeah. still, he's still younger heading into this next season than Luis Castillo was when he made his break in with the Reds. Right. Um, and so Bally's a guy who I, I, I still want to dream on, but he's also league minimum with an option. And if you have him as your sixth starter, so to speak, uh, that's a brilliant rotation as far as I'm concerned. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so the other part about that, as far as the offense goes and, and somebody smarter than me may have already written this article or looked into this. Um, maybe we should get fan Tony on it, but I mean, <laughs> it's, it hasn't been that long ago that this offensive cast with a lot of the same uh, core guys were actually really good. And the pitching was shitty. 
You know, uh, I mean, the whole idea was last year was get the pitching, right? And, and then we basically brought the same offensive cast into 2019, and they were terrible. But it still featured Joey Votto, Tucker Barnhart, Eugenio Suarez, Jesse Winker. Uh, we actually added Nick Senzel, which everybody would have thought or it, and what it does think down the road is going to be an addition. Um, and then you and then you talk about the one the one Russ one run loss record in 2019 and how that's probably going to hopefully, I mean, that should regress back in the Reds favor because they lost a ton of those games. Um, I mean, there's, I guess what I'm, it's a long winded way of saying that the offense with the core that they've got, we expected to have been better in 2019. So like, there's a chance that they need to make upgrades to the offense for sure, yes. But, like, there's a chance that those core guys are just going to be better in 2020. They're, like, they're, they would perform the way that we thought they would have in 2019. Yeah. And they didn't. I mean, look, we, we, we went into last year legitimately thinking – obviously, we thought the pitching was going to be better. We didn't know Luis Castillo was going to break out the way he was or that Sonny Gray would turn into his his best season um, ever, even – as far as I'm concerned, beyond his, his, his third place finish in the AL Cy Young four years ago. Yeah, it was his best. It was his best ever. Yeah, it was his best ever. Uh, we didn't, even if neither one of those things happened, we knew the pitching was going to be better, but the offense looked like it should have been good, like very good. Um, and it wasn't necessarily just due to underperformance. Um, yeah, Joey Votto declined, and that's something that the Reds are going to have to figure out. Hopefully, that will get fixed at least a little bit because I have never, never questioned Joey when you give him an entire offseason. Um, but you went into last year thinking Nixon Zell is going to be a significant upgrade over Billy Hamilton in center field, which he was before they tweaked his swing and he got hurt. Jesse Winker was, you know, he's a 120 OPS plus guy over the last two years. That's 20% better than league average. He just has to stay healthy. Um, Scooter Jeanette was supposed to be a very good offensive second baseman last year. Got hurt in spring training and never was. Uh, you know, there were three big spots that you thought the Reds were going to be able to count on offensively uh, that they ended up not being able to count on offensively at all. And, um, you know, obviously injuries are a very big part of the game, but you look at that in hindsight and you think, okay, those are three spots that in theory, two of which should if healthy, start to generate a lot more offense next year than they did in the 2019 season. Um, and if that's the case, then I think you're really only left looking for one more big bat in the wake of not getting Grandal. Um, and that can come in a couple different spots. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think that's pretty much still a mandate. Even if the Zach Wheeler idea that we've kicked around for 20 minutes now actually comes to four, uh, I think there's still – at minimum, one more big significant bat that they can bank on. You know, obviously they've got some guys in-house that might surprise and or, you know, reach their ceilings in the 2020 season. But I think they've got to have one more guy that they know his floor is still better than what they've got right now. And it's going to be interesting to see how they address that considering that Grindel is now off the board. I'm just going to say they have to. I hate to say they have to sign because, you know, and we've seen the Reds be kind of tricky or, I guess, creative, especially last offseason. I mean, the stuff that they did last offseason, it didn't really amount to anything as far as the win-loss column necessarily, but it was the idea that you like behind them doing things outside the box, right? Like, 
<clears throat> I don't know if any of those. I don't know. I really liked all those moves last year, and some of them were better than some of them were worse, whatever. But um, they were definitely doing things that I don't know other teams weren't doing necessarily. So the Reds might have something up their sleeve, right? Like there's something might come out in like two weeks, and it's like you know Ken Rosenthal is like, oh, breaking news, you know, the Reds send like you know five guys into three different teams, and all of a sudden like the the lineup looks completely different, right? Um, but I would say that where we sit right now, I think their top priority, and just they have to sign. And I don't even know if he's going to be necessarily the four or five war player that he was two or three years ago or two years ago. But I mean, Didi Gregorius has to be their top priority. Unless outside of the Zach Wheeler thing, outside of the Zach Wheeler thing, um, unless they trade, unless they trade for Francisco Lindor, right? Right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm saying as far as like position, like, okay, so they whiffed on Yasmani and, you know, they're going to have to probably live with catcher now. I don't see how they can live with that catcher situation and this shortstop situation at the same time. So now they've got to go and do this because I don't, he's not, I I don't think he's going to get 70, what, $73 million, right? Like uh, they need to go out. I mean, I think that has to be a priority just because of how bad that position was this year offensively. And and then they can do the Zach Wheeler thing, and maybe that's it. You know, maybe we have to bank on some of these guys making the next step or whatever. But I think with those, like, that's the position that they have to target. Like, well, like you said, either with a trade or or Dee, because he's obviously the the shortstop out there. Yeah, I, I agree with you in that regard as well. Because I mean, it's not just you look at the current Reds roster. Uh, you look down the pipeline as well, and there's just not a ready-made guy who's a year away and they need a 2020 stopgap. Um, Jose Garcia hopefully is two years away. Um, and a guy who I, I think offensively looks like he could be a very good, good player. Still not sure he sticks his shortstop. Might be better suited at third base or second base. But a guy who offensively I think could come around but was in advanced 8-800 this year. And that's the that's the next guy in the system. Um, so for shortstop, it's not just that you need someone for this year. You need a bridge. You really do. And obviously they, they know Didi. He's a guy who broke in with the Reds. Uh, uh, apparently they had very high regard for him his entire time he was there. Uh, they just had to move him because they had Zach Cozart and they needed help elsewhere. Um, now he is the help elsewhere that they need. And he's not with the Reds anymore. Um, but then they, they pretty much need to walk away with him, I think. If not, um, it's going to take a major trade to re, you know, overhaul the rest of the roster. Because as we mentioned, um, catcher offense next year probably isn't going to be good if you keep with just Barnhart and Gasselli. It'll be passable, but not good. Um, center field, you're banking on Nick Senzel and his shoulder injury hopefully being better. Um, you got to start making upgrades somewhere, and uh, and that's probably a, this, the Nick Senzel thing is probably worth a whole other like its own podcast. Oh yeah, I really don't know what I have no idea what to do with that. I do likewise. I mean, it's it's one of the things where you're still four months away from knowing if the timeline is right, and if it's off by a month or even two months, that changes the entire dynamic of what the Reds should be doing this offseason because um, a his versatility when healthy allows you to make upgrades all over the place and not have to worry about it. But B, if he's not healthy and you have it backfilled there, 
then you've significantly stunted the roster for the first month, month and a half of the season, which <clears throat> uh, if I remember correctly, was exactly what they did when they optioned him or uh, not optioned him, um, reassigned him to minor league camp on the last day of spring training last year as well. And we all saw how last season for the second year in a row got off to an absolute god awful start in the wake of it. So I'm sorry, did you say minor league camp or minor league Kemp? <laughs> oh God, Matt Kemp was a red, wasn't he? Oh God. <laughs> oh God. I, I don't want to make any more trades this winter. No no more trades. Um <laughs> Oh God. I forgot about that. But that's that also goes to highlight the point. And we could probably wrap with this. Um, you know, you start talking about what the Reds need to do and who they should get playing time for. They went into last year with the outfield of Yasiel Puig, Matt Kemp, Scott Shebler. Mm-hmm. And you look at where that outfield ended, and it's Aquino, and it's Phil Irvin, and it's Josh Van Meter. It's, it's like they – they went through so many different guys in that outfield. Uh, Nick Senzel included, Jesse Winger included. Um, Phil Irvin. Phil Irvin. Um, like injuries yeah. happen. They, they went through a lot of guys last season. So the idea that a Jesse Winker, Nick Senzel, Aristides Aquino outfield is good enough and they don't need a, a, you know augmentation anywhere else – uh, bullshit. Like they, they need, yeah. they need somebody else out there. They need somebody else out there, even if no other injuries happen, you know? Um, and that includes Phil Irvin being uh, a three hundred plate appearance, uh, right-handed part of the, uh, the equation as well. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's going to be another very interesting, uh, angle to, to look for because, um, yeah, the, 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 the attrition out there, the trades, the, the, the DFA is all the above, um, you can't just bank on three guys who you're really high on and expect them to be able to put up 700 plate appearances each. Uh, th- there needs to be some depth out there as well. So, um, well, cool. Uh, I guess we've 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 cruised right into 40 minutes on uh, on the post Grand All of Cincinnati Reds landscape for this winter. Um, so I guess maybe we uh, maybe we cut that here. Um, Find us at redreporter.com. You can follow us uh, on uh, SoundCloud and everywhere but Spotify at this point. Sorry, Baseball Jones. We've applied and they have not gotten back to us yet. But uh, download us and listen to us on iTunes and everywhere else you find podcasts. Read us at redreporter.com. You can find us on Facebook at Red Reporter Fans sometimes. Um, we are active on Twitter at Red Reporter, though, so check us out there as well. But uh, for BK and for Grammy, um, thank you for catching up with us on uh, the latest in the world of the Cincinnati Reds. And uh, we will come at you hey. again next week with maybe maybe some good news. Maybe. Hey, hey, hey it's it's Thanksgiving week, man. You got us. You got us. Oh, yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Like right. a, st- stuffing or dressing? Uh, it's stuffing. Um, I'm, oh. I'm an older though. Are you saying what I what are you saying what do you say or what do you eat? I, I, I both stuff. I would say stuffing, but I'm not I'm not eating it. So. This is this is the 30 minute worm right here. We just we just lobbed out there. Um, yeah, uh, stuff <laughs> stuff your dressing into your turkeys and eat it and call it whatever you want, but enjoy them for sure. Enjoy them. Um, even if I bring the rain to the Cincinnati area when I fly back east in two days, so. Um, But yeah, good stuff, guys. Thanks for joining me. And uh, we will come at you all again in, uh, in another week or so. So 
Yeah. Sounds good. Cheers. All right. See you guys. Cheers.